Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Uh, We're four or five weeks deep now in a series that we've called Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, a prayer that disciples and followers of Jesus have been praying for centuries. A prayer that, 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 that Christians have, have been crying out ever since Jesus said, after he was resurrected, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so we've been crying out as a, as, as a church for, the last, for millennia, Spirit of God, come and fill us. Come, Holy Spirit. And so we have been doing that. I mean, spending time just crying out to God over this past four weeks, looking at who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do. And over the last few weeks, we have been looking at what happens when we pray that prayer, come Holy Spirit. We've been looking at, firstly, the gifts of the Spirit, that actually when the Spirit of God comes, he gives us abilities and gifts, supernatural abilities and gifts, not just to bless ourselves, but to bless others and to bless the community around us. God gives us supernatural gifts. And then last week, Rod preached, if you were here, he preached on the fruits of the Spirit. See, when we're filled with the Spirit, he changes us. What the Holy Spirit touches, he changes. And when the Holy Spirit moves in us, he changes us and brings us good fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Who wants that? Anybody want that in their life? Anyone want to be touched by the Spirit so you have the fruits of the Spirit more full in your life? Yes? Yes? Well, I trust that you do. I trust that there is a hunger and a thirst in your heart and your life this morning. My prayer is that that your desperation and your longing for the presence of God would grow because He is good. And he wants to bless you. He wants to grow you. He wants to fill you. He wants to give you everything that is available to him for you in order that you may grow in the fruits of the Spirit. So I, I just, I'd love for you right now. I'd love for us all. I'd love to pray for us that, that God would just give us, us an openness. Can we do that right now? God, we just pray that you will open our hearts, that you'll give us a longing and the desire to be filled with your presence and your power afresh this morning. No matter where we are right now, God, no matter what's going on in our life, God, I pray that you will fill us. Fill us. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We pray that prayer knowing that God is longing. This is the big idea I want us to get hold of today. God is longing to fill those who are longing to be filled by him. God is longing to fill those who are longing to be filled by him. And there is a, there's a longing that God wants in our hearts. And when we do, when the, that, that hunger and that thirst comes, God will pour his spirit in. We see these, this throughout scripture. We see it particularly in the Psalms. You know, the, the sons of Korah write in, in uh, Psalm 42 this, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, in, uh, for God, the living God. When or where can I go 
to meet with God. And then David writes in, in Psalm 63, You, God, are my God, earnestly I seek for you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. There's this longing, this desire, this hunger, this thirst for the presence of God. Are you desperate for God? Are you thirsty for God? You know, when you are desperate, when you're desperately thirsty, you know, you do, you, you, you do some crazy things. You do unusual things when you are desperate. You could use this across a whole bunch of analogies. Uh, I was talking to Megs this week, and I, one of the times that we've just done crazy desperate things because we've been in a desperate space, and we listed off a whole bunch of things. They largely had were things to do with our children, uh, and uh, and there was a whole there's a whole bunch of desperate. And some of you will you know know that just the, a load of desperation. But, but there are like in physical news. I remember when it, going back at, when I was a teenager, being desperately thirsty. And uh, I was out, it was one of those typical Brisbane days, and I was playing cricket, and I came in, and I was sweating, and I just was desperate for a drink of water. And so I ran to the fridge, and I, I got uh, a, a glass, a, a big bottle of water. My mum used to use leftover water bottle, you know, like milk uh, containers, and that to put in the fridge, filled with water. Grabbed it, and I filled it up right to the top with a glass of jar, and then I just began sculling it back. And about halfway down, as I'm just so thirsty, I realised that my mum had put the wrong bottle in. She put a bottle of white vinegar. And I was downing, sculling a bottle of white vinegar. It was the most disgusting thing ever. And uh, I spat it out all over the kitchen. And I have been, I have been scarred ever since. Apparently, when you mix vinegar and water together, it's actually quite good for you. You know, it's, it actually can replenish you and it can bring you energy and bring muscle repair. In fact, I, they, when I was running the Gold Coast Marathon last year, they tried to give me something similar, pickle juice. You know, I heard that apparently pickle juice is really good for you. Yeah, you're nodding. I am never, ever, ever going to put pickle juice or anything that tastes like vinegar in my mouth. Even the smell, it just disgusts me. Yeah, you know, when we're really thirsty, when we're desperate, we will, we will do desperate things. You know, we need water to live. You know, we need water regularly to live because we all get thirsty. I mean, you can go, you can go for 40 days. You can go for 40 days without eating. Don't know if anyone's ever tried that. Some of you may be jumping into the 20-day fast and you're not eating for 21 days. You know, you can live for 40 days without food. You can, you can live, you know, we all need sleep. You can live for, for quite a while without sleep. In fact, the world record for not sleeping is 11 days and 24 minutes. They, they did an experiment. This American guy, what was his name? I, I, I missed, where is his name? Randy Gardner. I just wanted to say Randy. Randy Gardner. Randy Gardner went for 11 days and 24 minutes in an experiment to see how long someone could not sleep for. It was in, back in 1965. So if you're wanting to get your name in the Guinness World Book of Records, then, you know, it's been about 50, 60 years. The opportunity is there. You know, sleepless, sleeplessness is, uh, is torture. You know, you shouldn't do it. It's actually not good for you. In fact, in the article I was reading, I love this line. 
Can I just read this to you? It is not recommended to train for a no-sleeping competition, as it is dangerous and can have severe consequences on one's physical and mental health. I just felt like I needed to tell you that, okay? Don't train for one of these competitions. I'd say perhaps just don't do one of those competitions, but just in case you were thinking of training for one. You know, you can go for, I don't know, three, four, five, six, maybe 11 days without sleep. But you can't go without water for three days. You need water to survive. We all get thirsty. We all have a physical thirst and it needs to be filled. But we don't just have a physical thirst. We have a spiritual thirst. There is a spiritual thirst in our heart. There are deep longings in our heart for meaning, for purpose, for success, for love, for acceptance, for relationships, for happiness, for Holden, wholeness. Sorry, not for Holdens. Maybe there is. Some of you have a longing for Holdens here today. I don't know why. Uh, for freedom. You know, all these, all these things that, that, that sit deep in our heart that ultimately speak to who we are, our identity. We have these deep longings in our heart, these deep thirsts that speak, I think, to something that is deeply spiritual. It's been placed in our hearts by a creator. In our culture, in our context, throughout the centuries, there have been different ways in which the world has promised how those thirsts, those desires can be filled, right? A whole bunch of ways in which we, we go, places that we go, things that we do to seek to fill those deep longings, those deep aches, those deep thirsts in our life. It may be another drink from that bottle of alcohol. It may be another pill from the bottle of pills. It may be drinking love in a risque sexual encounter. It might be another purchase at the shopping centre. It may be another bet on that online game. It, it may be hiding in a Netflix series or a social media binge. It may be another experience or holiday to focus on. It may be another, a, a political movement or a cause to be involved in. There are a whole bunch of different ways in which we pursue things to fill the deep ache in our heart. And let me just lead you through a really quick diagnostic tool. Have a bit of a think for a moment. Because we all have them. When you're broken, when you're lonely, when you're anxious, when you're tired, when you feel depleted, when you feel empty emotionally, what do you turn to? What do you go to to fill yourself up? When you're feeling insecure, where do you go? What do you go to? to get your boost, to fill yourself up. We have our things, we have our places that we go to to fill the deep thirst in our heart. It's ultimately a deep spiritual thirst that God has placed in our heart. These are deep longings that have been placed in us. And as I said before, God is longing to fill those, to fill us. Fill those who are longing to be filled. And ultimately, those who are longing to be filled by him, God promises to fill us. Why? Because he loves to fill us. He loves to fill us with his presence. God loves to fill us with his spirit. 
And he promises it. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in Isaiah and Ezekiel. He promises that he'll pour out his spirit, that he will fill us where there is dry, with a, a dry spirit and a dead heart, God will pour out. And, and this analogy, this use of, being, of pouring out, of, of water being poured out is rich and thick through the Old Testament. And it's ultimately fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Jesus fulfills the promise of this water that will be poured out into dry and longing spirits. And this is really cool passage in John chapter 7. I'm going to read it in a moment. But I want to give you a little bit of context before we do it. And so what would happen is, is uh, it's, it's around a time, it's actually a story and there's theatre to it. Now, Jesus gets up to speak and the moment is the Feast of the Tabernacles. It was a time where people from all over Israel would come into Jerusalem and they would bring their cro- some of their crops and their first fruits and they would come and they would sacrifice and they would worship and they would give thanks to God for all that he had provided for them for that year. It would be a celebration of harvest. God, you have provided. And certainly in that context, in ancient times, they were so reliant on God to provide rain. And that's why all the competing gods were all promising prosperity and fertility because ultimately they were so dependent on it. As we are today, we just don't see it as directly. And so they would come to Jerusalem, they would worship, they would give thanks to what God had provided, but they would also cry out to God and ask that God would provide for the coming year. And so what what would happen is the priests would go down. They would go down to the pool of Siloam in a procession, and they would be praying prayers saying, God, will you give us rain for the new year? And they would dip a jar into the pool of Siloam, and then they would journey back again praying and they would pour through a funnel in the, in the temple during this time of sacrifice, they would pour that water into a funnel. It would just be this symbolic move saying, God, will you meet our needs? Would you provide? And they would do that for seven days. The festival went for eight days, but they'd only do it for seven days. They would still pray the prayers on the eighth day, but they would not make the procession. And it's in this moment on the eighth day that we read in John chapter 7 that Jesus stands up amongst the buzz, amongst the excitement, amongst the anticipation. Jesus stands up and says this. On the last and the greatest day, this is John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty... Come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Come on, you've got to get a sense of the theatre here. You've got to understand that this isn't just about spirit, uh, physical water. This is about spiritual yearning. In fact, uh, the, the theologian F.F. F. Bruce says this about this passage. Some Jewish teachers connected the water, outpour, water pouring ceremony with the promised outpouring of the Spirit. So according to one rabbinical tr- interpretation, the ceremony was called the water drawing. And why? 
because from there they draw the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. As it is written, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. You see what was going on? What is Jesus doing? He's saying, I know that there's a physical need that you have, but I, but I also see that there is a deeper yearning in the heart, a longing for the Messiah who will pour out the promised spirit from, from the prophets of Ezekiel and Isaiah. And then in that moment, on the eighth day where there is no water pouring ceremony, Jesus stands up in front of all the people and says, I am fulfilling what you are doing. I am giving you living water. I am providing in me comes the Spirit. And if you receive me, the Messiah, the one who has been sent from God, then you will receive water. As he says to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, water that will never run dry. You will receive my Spirit. It's a moment of of theatre. It's a moment of power. Jesus says, in me, you will never thirst. In me, you receive the Spirit. And as we track through the Gospel of John, we get to John chapter 19. It's a very different picture. It's a very different story in John chapter 19. Again, Jesus is presented in front of the masses, but this time he is naked and bleeding And he's hanging on a cross. The innocent God-man has been sacrificed. And in John chapter 19, we read that there is a spectacle as Jesus is hanging on the cross. And in John 19, we read this. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus hanging gasping for breath on a cross, pushing up on the nails that have been nailed into his feet. Every agonizing breath, sweat pouring from his brow, mingled with blood. He says this, I am thirsty. I am thirsty. Verse 29, I don't know if you've got that John, John, uh, that John 19. No worries if you don't. A jar of wine vinegar was there, So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. And Jesus, the one from whom living water flows, became thirsty, gave up his spirit. Jesus became thirsty for us in order that we may never thirst. It's because Jesus died for us. It's because he took our penalty. It's because he, thirst, he became thirsty for us. He gave up himself for us in order that we may receive life in order that we may receive grace. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end with Jesus giving up his life. It cannot because Jesus is the one who gives us and gives us his spirit. And so we continue to read in John just into the next chapter. And we looked at this a number of weeks ago. Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, the one who defeats sin and death, who conquers death for all. 
meets with his disciples and he breathes on him and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. The resurrected Jesus, the glorified Jesus, the one who has defeated sin and death can now give us his spirit. Those of us who are in Christ receive his Holy Spirit. Jesus makes a way for us to be filled. Empty, defeating death, glorified to the Father, now giving us the gift of his spirit. Oh, God loves to give his spirit to us. He longs to give us his spirit and he has made a way for us to receive his spirit. But we need to make room in our lives and our hearts for the spirit. Because we do, we just fill our life with a whole bunch of stuff, don't we? You know, we, we, our, li- you know our lives are, are full there is so much going on and we need to create room. You know, I, I thought that I was quite a, a, a tidy person. You know, I thought my literal physical room was quite tidy. You know, when I was batching, I was definitely tidier than the other guys that I lived with. And I had a system for, for washing up and I had what I would call managed mess. It's kind of like I knew, I knew there was mess, but it was in a certain place. And, uh, and, and I didn't think I was messy. I thought that my room was not full of, of rubbish. It was just organised. And then I married Megan. And, and then we moved in together after we got married, obviously. And, um, and I realised that, that actually I'm really messy. Either that or Megan is just crazy. Uh, maybe a little bit of both. Uh, but... But, uh, but there's a, there was a whole new level of cleanliness uh, that, that, that in terms of just the di- like dishes. And I'm not going to go into it now because uh, I, I, I don't want to go too deep into that or else it could be dangerous. I realised that actually there was more room to be found if I could just be a little bit more cleaner. You know, I think that our lives often get filled in, filled in, filled in, filled in, filled in, and we don't even know it. We don't even see it. And the reason that we fill our lives with lots of stuff, obviously there's lots of good stuff, lots of good stuff. But we fill our lives with often lots of good stuff, maybe stuff that isn't so good, but we fill it because it feeds our identity. It speaks to who we are. All these things that we place in our life that seek to fill the things often that we're most afraid of. Come on, we know them. I've probably listed them off just before. You know them. The things that you fill your life with to distract you from confronting yourself, from escaping fear, pain, isolation, loneliness. And what we do is we we fill ourselves with all these things and we rob ourselves of creating space for the Spirit. We actually rob ourselves from sitting in a place where our longing will grow. See, when we when we're confronted with ourselves, often we'll just go to okay, I'm just gonna I'm just got I've got social media to scroll through, got Netflix to watch, I've got people to call. I've got things to look at. I've got more work to do. I've got that club that I'm involved in. I've got that sport that I'm doing. I've got that activity that I need to be at. And what we do is we just bounce. We go from thing to thing. 
without ever sitting and creating space for longing. And for God to speak to us, for us to be filled with his spirit, we need to not only create space for him to fill us, but we need to create space for longing. That's the gift of even this 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I've been speaking to a bunch of you that are engaging in this. Because you're being forced to create space by removing something. And that space we're encouraging often is a trigger to go, Lord, I'm longing for you. It's creating space to actually sit in the presence of God. It's a gift. But in our busy world where, where there is entertainment and distraction everywhere, we are being robbed of creating a longing for God. And when we don't have the longing for God, we don't ask for God. There's an invitation and a challenge for all of us today. Where are the idols? What are the things that we are putting in our life that's robbing us from spiritual intimacy and longing with the presence of God? This was the accusation the people of, uh, that God had to the people of Israel who filled their lives with lots of other things. My people, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13 says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me and sp- uh, the spring of living water and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. You know it, right? That thing that you fill your life with, you think it fills you? It might fill you for a bit, a little bit like a McDonald's meal. But then, well, at least for me anyway, after I have McDonald's, I immediately regret it. Anybody else? Like, that was amazing going down. Why did I eat that? It doesn't hold water. It doesn't hold water. We need to learn how to live in a place of emptiness so that our desire, our desperateness, and our longing will grow. And when we find ourselves in that place, then we will cry out to God. And the, and the command of God, the invitation of God for every one of us is, be filled, be filled. Paul writes to the Ephesian church in chapter 5, and we looked at the Ephesian church uh, last year when we did uh, our identity series. So we don't need to go into all of that again, but Ephesians, the context of the Ephesian church, highly spiritual, high experiential. There's a, there's a real kind of desire to, to, to experience all the things that are out there. It's an affluential city. There was lots going on. And Paul writes to the church, he says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. What is the Lord's will? Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. What's God's will? Don't get drunk on wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says to the church in Ephesus, and he says to us today, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. What does that mean? What does that, that, what does that statement, be filled, mean? Well, for Paul, I think there's four things that we can see here in this passage, what it means to be filled. Firstly, it's imperative. It's a command. It's not an optional extra. 
It's be filled. Don't get drunk on wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Firstly, it's a command. Secondly, it's passive. We can only receive the Spirit. We can't manufacture it. It's a gift that we can and only receive. It's passive. Thirdly, it's plural. It's for everyone. The Spirit of God is for everyone. A fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel that that there is a day coming, Joel says, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. And then Peter grabs that prophecy at Pentecost and says, this is the time, this is the moment where the Spirit is being poured out on all flesh. Be filled. It's for everyone in the church. And then fourthly, be filled is present continuous. It's ongoing. It's not a once-off event. It's, It's not a, I'm filled and that's it. No, no, no. It's an ongoing filling because we need to continue to be filled with the presence of God. Yes, we receive the presence of God at salvation. Yes, the Spirit of Christ is in us. Absolutely. Amen to that. But there is also this sense, and you see it throughout the New Testament, that there is a need for the ongoing filling, enabling of the Holy Spirit. How else are we to grow in our gifts? How else are we to grow in the fruits unless we are continually being filled with the Spirit? I don't know if you are full right now. You can never be over full with the Spirit. I remember when I was, uh, I was uh, 20, 22, 23 years old. And um, uh, my mum, I'm going to throw her under the bus for a moment, she, she heard about this, um, this, this, this way of, of losing weight and staying healthy. And uh, what you needed to do was every morning, you needed to wake, when you first thing you do when you wake up is to fill up, not one, not two, but eight glasses, large glasses of water and drink them. I've got to tell you, it was torture. I mean, I could get through the first four, five, getting difficult. By seven and eight, there was water coming out my nose. I was standing, I remember standing over the veranda just going, I can't do this. But apparently, apparently, it just cleansed your body out and then you didn't, you weren't hungry anymore. It filled you up, so you're over full and you just didn't eat. I've heard since it's very dangerous. Don't do it. I was full of water, absolutely chock-a-block full of water. And I remember, I I was probably at the end where I realised, I'm not sure this is going to work out for me. It was was when my boss came up from Sydney. I was working in a sales job for an oil company, and I was taking him on a trip up to Bundaberg, and we were visiting different customers along the way. About an hour into the drive, after knocking back eight large glasses of water, you know what happened, right? I need to go to the toilet. Every half an hour, just like, I've got to stop at the server. I'm so sorry. I've got to stop it. He was furious. He said, this is the dumbest diet you've ever done, Andrew. Stop it. Knock it off. We'll get no work done. I was full to overflowing. You know what? It's not just about being filled. When God says to us, be filled, it's be filled to overflowing. So as Jesus says in John chapter 7, rivers of living water will come from you. 
There's an overflowing. See, some of us think, oh, I can only be filled. This is my glass. I've only been a Christian, you know, a short amount of time, or I, I'm not a very good Christian. This is my amount. Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. Doesn't matter what your story is. You can be filled to overflowing. Maybe Christian a long time, large jar. God wants to fill you to overflowing. And as we are filled, and as we overflow, the Spirit of God comes out of us. The Spirit of God fills us. See, people, we're not called to be a container of the Spirit. We're called to be a conduit of the Spirit. Be filled and continually be filled because as water flows out of us, so the Spirit continues to pour in us, continues to pour in us, continues to pour in us. We flow out. We are to be a conduit, not a container. So what does it look like when we're filled with the Spirit? Well, we see here in Ephesians chapter 5 that there's, there's singing, there's worship, there's celebration, there's singing in the Spirit, there's singing to one another, there's an outward expression. You know what? Christianity does involve emotions. I know that might be a shock to some of you, but actually it engages our heart. There's a physical, there's something physical that happens when we're filled with the Spirit. There's joy, sometimes there's tears. We see physical manifestations in Acts chapter 2. As tongues of fire kind of fall from heaven, people begin to speak in tongues and, and others watching and go, these guys are drunk. And it's like, no, 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 we're not drunk. We've actually just filled with the presence and the joy of the Lord. Been uh, just following a little bit on what's going on uh, with an outpouring that started in Asbury University in, in Kentucky and is beginning just to sprinkle its way around the world. The manifestations of that outpouring have been very gentle. It's been peace, the presence of peace. There's been confession and repentance. There are different ways in which the Spirit works, but the Spirit does work in us because we are. We're conduits. And ultimately, the presence and the Spirit of God works its way out in love. It must always, must always work its way out in love because God is love. And so when we're filled with His presence, we will ultimately outwork in love, love for ourselves, acceptance for ourselves, love for those around us. Love for our city, love for our community, love for our family, radical supernatural love that will be expressed in mission. As God moves, His Spirit comes, people are sent out to love the world around them. That is what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. We are changed. What the Holy Spirit touches, He changes. Just wonder whether you want to be changed this morning. Do you want to experience and know the presence and the power of Jesus afresh through, through His Spirit? My prayer and my hope is, like me, it's a yes. You will know something more of who God is, His goodness, His, His kindness, His majesty, His love, His, His grace. So how do we feel? Two final things and then we're, gonna, we're actually going to pray. 
How can we be filled? Firstly, make room. You gotta make room. Confession and repentance, coming to God and saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me for the idols I've put in my life. Forgive me for filling my life with other things other than you. Forgive me for avoiding you. Forgive me, Lord God, for rejecting you. I make room in my life afresh for you. We've got to make room. For any outpouring, there is repentance, there is confession, there is a making room. And maybe this morning for you, it's again going, God, there are things in my life that I know are moving you out. And I confess that something's got to change. I repent, I turn. We've got to make room. And then secondly, we've got to ask. We've got to long. Say, God, come and fill me. And the thing is, is that God loves to fill. Megan just read it before in our communion. Jesus on the, on the, uh, in that, on the mount, in that great message when he speaks the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will what? They will be filled. And then a little bit later on in that same message in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Just ask. Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Come and fill me. there, There is no science to this. It's passive, remember. It's receiving. We receive His grace as we make room for His presence in our lives. This morning, I think there's two things that we're going to do. Well, there's two things we are going to pray for. And I just believe is for us today. Firstly, some of you just need to pray that God would fill you with a longing. There's a fear in your heart to open yourself up to the Spirit. Or there's just not a longing in your heart. And maybe you're sitting here and going, man, I'm just waiting for this sermon to end. I'm so bored right now. It's like, get me out of here. Your heart is dry. And maybe your prayer today is this, God, I don't know where the longing's gone, but will you give me that longing again? God, I don't want to manufacture this, but I do want it. Deep in my heart, deep in my soul, I want at least a longing for you. Give me a longing. That's, that's the first prayer. We were just praying before in the back room and there was this picture. I reckon it's for a number of people and it was a number of people had it as we were praying. So that some of you are, are so burnt. and there's, there's the walls that have been built up in your spirit and your heart that you actually resist. You're resisting God. Even though you're here this morning, there's a resistance. And a resistance of the Spirit too. That's a warning for you. Do not resist the Spirit. And maybe that's part of your prayer as you, as you receive prayer today. As God, as you cry out, God, just help me. Give me a longing for you. That's all I want. I just want the longing. And others of you, the prayer is, God, fill me. God, I'm, I'm longing for you. I'm desperate for you. Come and fill me, Lord. Come and fill me. I need you. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you, or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.